Good morning, everybody. My name is Joshua Nilsson. Uh, I haven't introduced already, I know, but I get to serve here, the privilege of being the youth director here, so I got to be in charge of games, which was the great takeaway, as we can clearly see. <laughs> um, so I want to share a few stories with you guys. A couple years ago, um, I live right around the corner from here. Uh, I was at home, we were getting ready, it was Easter. Uh, we participate in the Easter egg hunt down at the fire barn, and I was getting ready to go, and I heard a knock at the door. Now, most of you probably are not uh, surprised to hear that a knock at the door usually means people are coming to witness and tell you some good news. And I got all excited because I knew who it was, and I knew what they wanted to share, and I, I thirst for an argument. I am a big fan of apologetics is where my passion is, and uh, you can even ask Phil. I can't shy away from a good argument. He undoubtedly says that Superman is the best and most powerful superhero there are, and nobody can beat him, when we all know that is simply not true. He has lots of weaknesses and exploits. But, uh, so, by the way, it was a little later that, sorry. But, by the way, they were coming and they wanted to talk. I had to go. I had to help with set up tables. I had to set up chairs and help put out the Easter eggs. I had a lot of things to do. So I, I had angst and I, I missed an opportunity to share with them. So I went there. But a little later, I came back. And it just so happens that they were still walking around, going door to door. So I was able to flip the script on them. I walked up to them and say, hey, I know you came up to me earlier with something you wanted to say, and now I have time and I would love to talk about it. <clears throat> so we began our conversation and subtly I noticed that they were referring to Jesus as not the one and only true God, that he was a created being. That's what we're going to talk about uh, in our scripture is 1 Corinthians 15 verse, verses 1. So the Bible tells us, sorry, that's it. For, um, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. <clears throat> and in him all things hold together. Verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church, he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the faithfulness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself as things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you today for this opportunity uh, to share your word and I ask that you speak through me and empower me to help present your word and the truth that it is, and all things in your name. Amen. So uh, the passage starts off about the firstborn, and I don't get the pulpit very often, so I would like to show you guys a picture of my firstborn. This is Daisy. <laughs> this is my daughter. I, I thought I would show you guys how cute she is. It really doesn't pertain that much to the topic, but hey, this is, she's so adorable, so I wanted to put her up there. Um, but she is my firstborn, so the passage talks about the firstborn in creation. And now, a lot of people say, well, look at the text and say, obviously, look, here it is. Jesus is part of creation. He was the firstborn. When obviously, we don't see it that way. We look into the scripture, and we look at Psalms, and we see David. They talk about his lineage and where he is. And in his family, he's actually the eighth born in his family. He's the youngest. But he is given the title as firstborn. <clears throat> so how would you like to introduce your youngest in front of his siblings and say, hey, this is my firstborn, when he's actually the youngest of all of them? 
So we see that it's a title given and not declaring that Jesus is a created thing. But before we get too far into this, we need to talk about Paul and a little background because we are out of context. So I just don't want to give you a verse. I want to let you know where we are. Paul's writing a letter to the Corinthians while he's stuck in prison, awaiting his upcoming trial. The church of Colossae is not a church that he planted. It's not a church that he planted. However, Paul knew the people there and highly respected them. They were uh, mostly Gentiles, but they followed Jewish law. So he sent them this letter to help protect them against false teaching. So funnily enough, that this scripture today is still being used to to promote false teaching by saying simply that Jesus is a created God. So the NIV uh, would refer to it as over instead of of. So it's a tricky word, the of. There's teacher of class, and then there's pulpit of wood. The teacher is not class, but the pulpit is wood. So Jesus Christ. <clears throat> so our first point is Jesus Christ is the Son of God, supreme over creation. When we read the Bible, we should always interpret Scripture with Scripture. When we see, when we see the readings, we look at Isaiah 44, and we see God is referred to as Jehovah, the Almighty God, the Father. He is the creator of all things. Isaiah 44, 24 tells us this. Whom formed you from the womb? I am the Lord who made all things. Who alone stretch out the heavens? Who separated the earth by myself? So if God Almighty created all things and the Son of God is Jesus, then how could he be created when they are one? Well, we see that. We start to learn it. In fact, clearly at this time and time again, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are represented as one. Jesus Christ is the firstborn. That is the title given. Because Jesus is the firstborn and the creator of all things, that makes all of us image bearers of God. So you, your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad, your neighbor, the person who lives down the street who you can't stand, all these people are image bearers of God. So when I think of image bearers, I refer to a story told uh, by a friend who's many years my senior. Uh, he was in missions. He was serving in Mexico. He was serving in Mexico at the time, and he was in a more perverse uh, part of town, and he saw a homeless woman by herself living out of a box. And now this is not something you see every day. He saw her vomit into the street and then immediately turn and eat her own vomit. This person is made in the image of God. So I have a question for you. How do you genuinely love someone who can do this? It's not easy. If it was, it would make the Christian walk so easy. But we need to treat these people as if they are. How do you say that that person is a created image of God? There are people in this world we don't like, people in this world we can't get along with, yet we have to treat each and every person as if they are a created being. Friends, God didn't just create you, he made you. The Bible teaches us that God is the creator of our innermost beings, that he knit us together in his mother's womb. So the second point of the day, I know I'm going a little fast into the next one, the Son of God is supreme over all authorities. Let's read some more of the verses from today. Verses 16 and 18. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things held together. He is the head of the body, 
the church. He's beginning the firstborn, the dead, that everything might be preeminent. Jesus Christ is master over everything. So we look at this, a lot of the people at Church of Colossus knew the different ranks of angels, that there were a lot of them, and they didn't know if Jesus fell into that rank. So he's talking about that he has authority, even all the angels, because the angels are created beings. So he has the authority over them. <clears throat> if one person were to say, sorry, so this is when we get into the authority and realizing that we need to see Christ as our supreme authority. A lot of people will say they don't believe in God or they're an atheist, but the truth is they see themselves as God. They worship themselves as God. So they decide what is morally right and what is morally wrong for them to do. So, for instance, if my God says it's okay to steal from you, but your God says it's not okay, who's the society who's right? This is where we get the breakdown in society. This is where we get something that's postmodernism, the belief that nothing really matters, that I say what I'm doing is okay, and you got to be okay with it, and you can't tell me that I'm wrong, because there is no proper authority. I am the only authority. But we need to see that Christ is the supreme authority. So another story I was told from a man who is a master carpenter, uh, he talks about this building. They call it the postmodernism building. It's a building that was made by no building codes or building laws. So it has staircases that go up to nowhere, has windows you can't see through, and it has a bathroom in the middle of nowhere that I'm guessing nobody really uses. So a lot of ironic things just to show that, hey, nothing really matters. It's just to show chaos. But one day, this carpenter came up and he talked to the owner of the building. And he told him, I'm not going to set foot in this building. And when asked why, it wasn't because he wanted a moral stance and say, you know, I don't believe in postmodernism. I think there's a reason, which is probably what he did believe. But if you were to build a building and the foundation wasn't to code, wasn't how it should be, that building's going to fall down. We've seen time and time again histories in history that buildings weren't built, their foundations weren't strong, and they fall. So that's where we got to look. That's where we get our authority in Christ, is he's our foundation. We see if we build our lives on him, we're going to be strong, we're going to be solid, and that gives the meaning to our lives. Because our authority is him, that makes us be the person we need to be. That makes us love that person who vomited in the street and ate their own vomit. That makes us love that person who we work with and we don't always get along with. So I've had a lot of different jobs and worked a lot of different places, and I've not always gotten along with my coworkers or the people in charge of me. They haven't always been believers, and some of them are very just money-driven. All they care about is the bottom line. We need more dollars. They don't really care about you or how you feel. However, Christ tells us that he put them in authority over us for a reason, that we need to submit to their authority. He controls all things. So by loving them, we're going to win them for Christ. That's how you do it. When you go into your everyday work, into your everyday job. So God has given us some authorities as well. Genesis 1.26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our own image, after our likeness, and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, over the earth, and over every creepy thing. So some of you are farmers. Some of you really practice that dominion over animals. I'm not. I always try to tell squirrels what to do, and they never listen. <laughs> it just goes to show that they are very sinful creatures. <laughs> um, this is a newer one for me. So I showed you a picture of my daughter. I'm newly married. Uh, 
Ephesians 5.23 says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and himself its Savior. I'm the head of my family. So that's my wife back there with my daughter. We've been married uh, about a year and a half now, and it is my responsibility as a spiritual head to guide them and grow them. That's a very scary thing, but it's a very great thing that God has given me that authority. So time and time again, I need to keep that in mind. Luke 9.1 gives the disciples powers over demons and diseases, and he called it, and here's the verse, and he called the twelve and gave them power and authority over all demons and diseases. He gave them the ability to exercise demons and to heal the sick. We see time and time in Scripture that he does that. That was authority given to them. Authority has been given by the Anointed One, Jesus Christ. Matthew twenty-eight eighteen says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus has the authority, not only here on earth, but also in heaven. He is the supreme. There's no getting around that. And when we stop seeing that, when we stop seeing him as a proper authority, that's when we stop living a moral life. That's when we start upsetting everyone. We start living for I. When we need to constantly see that Christ is supreme. Authority is, is hard for some to handle. It is hard for us to follow the leaders that are appointed among us, bosses or managers. However, Romans 13.1 tells us very clearly that we are to submit to our authorities. The verse reads, Let every person be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority except God, and those who exist have been instituted by God. That's a hard pill to swallow. That's what I was talking about before in in our jobs and our our everyday. And a lot of times with government officials, we're not always happy who's elected and who's running things. But God has placed them in there and is sovereign over them. So we need to respect and love them. And when you do this, you follow the authorities in your life, you're going to win these people for Christ. So uh, now we go on to my last point. Finally, the Son of God is supreme over our salvation. Pastor Phil shared simple yet profound stories during vacation Bible school. God created everything perfect in his relationship. Looking at the universe, the distance and things that are apart are absolutely perfect. God even created Adam and Eve, the first two people on earth, and their relationship with God was absolutely perfect. However, this relationship didn't last long. Eve decided to eat of the forbidden fruit. We've all heard the story. And she even gave some to her husband. And that made the disconnect of their relationship. And we are still suffering from that disconnect today. We don't have that relationship perfect like Adam and Eve did. We have sin that interferes with that. Genesis 3, starting in verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any, any other beast of the field, and the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So then the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and she ate and delighted in her eyes, 
and the tree was desired to make one wise. So she took the fruit and ate, and also gave some to her husband. Then both their eyes were opened, and they saw that they were naked, and they sewed, sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So this is the time when sin is introduced. But we look at our verse today, going back to Colossians 1.20, for in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him reconciled himself in all things, whether on earth and heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. So God has to reconcile the situation. We are naturally born enemies of God. For the moment we are the size of my daughter, till we grow up, we are enemies of God. We can't have that relationship. He, we needed someone to intervene. Romans 3.23 says that while we were still sinners, or sorry, that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So by God putting his son down on the cross, breaking that, giving us the ability to have fellowship with him, no longer being enemies, but being allies and part of God's kingdom. <clears throat> Let me tell you, you could search high and low, look as much as you want, and work as hard as you can, but you'll never find a substitute good enough to replace Jesus on the cross. You can be as good and try to be as giving and help charity and those around you, but you could never be good enough to replace Christ. God poured out his wrath on his perfect son. Jesus lived an absolutely perfect life. Jesus was beaten, was nailed to the cross, and his perfect life was shed for you so that you can have an ongoing relationship with God. John 3.16, we all know this one. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. <clears throat> you see, the death of Jesus wasn't the end. He came and he rose again. Three days later, he was back. Jesus showed us his love for us by going to the cross, saying, the God the Father, not my will be done, but yours. So how do I get this relationship with Christ? How do I get to that point? I need John 14, 6. <laughs> I know it's a lot of verses. I keep going through them. John 14, 6 says that Jesus is speaking. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the light, that nobody comes to the Father except through me. So you have to know in your heart and in your mind, Romans 10 tells us, confess with your mouth and believe that Jesus is God. You need to make that proclamation. You need to submit to God as the proper authority over creation, over, sorry, Jesus supreme over creation, over authorities, and now over our salvation. James 2.10 says, For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in this one point has become guilty of it. So if you're willing to confess that you are a sinner in need of help from the perfect sacrifice today, you can come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross, suffering for our sins. We need to, every day in our walk, take a step back and say, I'm not in charge, but God is. He's given us certain authorities, but God is ultimately the number one.